Welcome to our second episode of the Paragon Path, the Talisman of the Paladins, where we are going to go over things such as where do paladins fit on the battlefield, abilities you should know about, skills and things you can get better at, recommended tactics, as well as opinions on opening up paladin and anti-paladin and opinions on the battle game night. Stick around, enjoy, and as always, give us a like and subscribe. So, this is our second episode of the Paragon Path. Um, this one is focusing on Paladin. So today with us, we have three fantastic guests. We have up in the top corner. I hope everyone's got the same layout. I don't know. The video will have the same layout, but people might not. Uh, we have, I'm going to mess your name up, I swear. Kedart uh, Hearts on Marin. <laughs> Did I get that right? Kedart Hearts on a Man. There we go. Okay. Uh, below him, we have Radiant, a beer, shale, nifty. And below me, we have uh, someone who has more titles than I care to announce, but Sir Michael Hammer of God. Um, they That's are all going to introduce themselves a little bit so you guys know where they're where we're coming from. And uh, I'll give them that opportunity now. So we'll start with Kat. Hi. Uh, unlike everyone else in here, I am not a knight, but I am a former knight, and during my tenure in knighthood, I earned the honor of Paragon Paladin. It was Master Paladin at the time, but we had the option to convert it, <laughs> so I did. Awesome. How about Nifty? Uh, hi, I'm Nifty. I've been a Knight of Ampcard since 2018. I believe I reached level 6 in the class sometime towards the end of 2019, and so I had plenty of time to uh, learn the class and figure out uh, what I loved about it in that time. Uh, I am not a Paragon, however. So That's alright. You're working hard, Jory right? Jory and I are combining our... Yes, by our powers combined, we make a single Paragon Paladin Knight. And lastly, Michael. Yep, my name is uh, Michael Hammer of God. Uh, I started playing Ampguard in 1988. I got knighted, knighted in 1991. Uh, I started playing Paladin something close to a year after that. Uh, and I got my Master Paladin not long after that. Uh, the truth is, I do not consider myself a Paragon Paladin necessarily, uh, because while it, my Masterhood converted, like everybody else's, I am not a top-notch Paladin player under V8. I'm, I'm an okay Paladin player. If you're a good fighter, you'll do fine. And uh, I, am a, I am a Warlord, so I can still swing a stick okay. And if you've got that in armor, you've got a lot, but I'm not sure you've really got a Paragon. So um, I, I will have that caveat. I still think I have good opinions, and I'd like to share them with you. That is an excellent tie-in to our first question, um, which is something that a lot of people ask whenever they do these kind of discussions. What is the difference between a level six and a paragon? What are what are the big differences when we talk about that person is a paragon versus they're a good player of the paladin class? Um, I think it's always important for us to set kind of a parameter or uh, a, a guideline for what we are looking for at the beginning so that everyone knows kind of what we're aiming for. Uh, so what would you guys say is the biggest difference? So I'm going to throw out something that I think is really important first, 
which is it's subjective. So a lot of it depends on what the monarch in place at the time thinks the difference between a level six and a paragon paladin is. Now, the rules give you guidance, and I'm not saying there's nothing, but it's pretty subjective. Um, I can say that to me, like if I were a monarch or if I were advising a monarch, um, the difference between a level six and a paragon, it's like the difference between a college graduate and a senior member of a field. Level six is just the beginning. And unless you're a prodigy, you've only just learned the basics of your class. Paragon is someone who utilizes their class for the and to me, what makes a paragon is, I'll call them the three S's. And it's from highest to lowest. And the first S is skill, aka battle game prowess. You have to excel in your class. You have to dominate the field while you're playing that class. And the second S is schooling, teaching. You have to actively help people excel at your class. Now, I put this as second priority, even though it is more important. And the reason why that is, is if you don't excel at your class, or know how to excel at your class, how can you teach other people? Um, and the final S is my personal favorite, and that's style. That means constantly looking the part and doing RP things around. Um, now I say character and not class, because as we all know, in V8, V8 and in Apgard, that's pretty well open. Uh, like you can play a wizard as an alchemist, for example. But for Paladin, um, I've never seen someone who who plays Paladin not role play anything else but a Paladin. Um, so I agree, and I think that uh, I think that 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 set of three S's is a very succinct way of putting it. Um, what I've seen as Monarch uh, or what watching other Monarchs is how much focus they put on the three can depend quite a bit. Um, I've definitely seen monarchs who don't care very much at all about the middle one. Well, if right? I like how succinct, you know, CADS was, I can actually put it a little more succinctly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, up time? Uh, you know, it, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's my, you know, my opinion on paragons is the same across the board. What makes a paragon over a level six of anything is when everyone on the other team looks at you, sees you gearing up and says, oh, god they're playing whatever class again if they see you putting on your armor or sliding on that belt favor or that sash they go ah crap he's playing a paladin today oh so i'm i'm not i'm not sure that's wrong but i kind of want it to be because (laughs) i discourage that kind of activity in any of our parks right if any player does that and the rest of the, the the other team goes oh my god i don't want to do this that's a that's a that's a issue I would like to discourage, not incur, right? That's fair. I mean I, that's I, I understand your point completely, and I think you're right, but that's why I said I wish you weren't. That's that, totally that fair. Is true, and I think later on we're going to get into tips on how to not break your park if you are really good at the game. Yes, but um, pretty much I touched on that much, a little bit when I was thinking of my answers actually. <laughs> but. Uh, Pretty much all, like a, a lot of the paragons I've gotten, uh, people have told me that when I when I got them, it was basically a message saying, "Please stop playing this class. Play something else. <laughs> Dear God, please just stop playing this." I mean, it's a it's an ultimate top tier thing to kind of have. You you show up, you play it better than everyone else, and then they kind of say like, "All right, move on to something else, please." Um, well, and and if you're that good at anything, 
you need to only play it in big environments where it doesn't break things. Yes. Uh, that is another point we'll have later. Um, yeah, sorry. We're getting off track. No, we are totally fine. We got an hour. It's only been eight minutes. We are good. Um, <laughs> so uh, this one was requested by uh, uh, CADS, actually. Um, what are you guys' favorite examples in either fiction or historical um, of a paladin? Like, what do you kind of model yourself after? Uh, tell me you want to go first or should I go first? I'm happy to go first. Okay, you go first. So I actually have uh, two examples of, of paladin-type characters that I think are really excellent. And I know I'm stealing one of these from Michael. Um and I know he'd agree with me that uh, one of the, the most amazing representations of paladins in fantasy literature, I think, is Paxanarian, um, who is a character written by Elizabeth Moon. I cannot for the life of me remember what the name of this series is. I believe, is it The Deed of Paxanarian? The Deed okay. of Paxanarian, that's The right. Deed of Paxanarian. And she's, she's very archetypal of a paladin character. She starts off as a nobody sheep farmer's daughter, and you get to witness her journey as she becomes a holy warrior. And it, it's a really, really uh, beautiful story, and it's told uh, really well with lots of uh, great military realism. Um, but that's that's sort of the archetype of of Paladin. And my other favorite Paladin type character is actually Kaladin Stormblast from the Stormlight Archives. And one of the reasons that I believe Brandon uh, ended up settling on that name is because Kaladin rhymes with Paladin. And he's sort of the uh, he takes the concept of protection, protecting everyone, protecting those who cannot protect themselves, even protecting those you hate, as long as it is right. Uh, and he takes that to the extreme, and it's a character that's really resonated with me a lot um, with his struggles and, and how he goes about performing those duties and, and achieving his goals. So those are my two uh, top uh, paladin-type characters, if you will. Well, that's that's okay because you took both of mine, but I, I'm actually okay because <laughs> I got backups. I got backups I everywhere. In fact, uh, the, the first one I'll throw out uh, – was one I always uh, aspired to when I was a brand new paladin. Uh, and that's King Arthur. Now, the Arthur mythos has lots of variations. And in some of them, he's kind of pathetic and you, you root for Lancelot and, you know, true love is, is important. And in other variations, you know, he's sort of wronged, but doing his best to run his kingdom anyway. And that's the one I think of where he's more like a paladin. Um, and then the other one that I'll throw out... Uh, I think Superman is an excellent uh, example oh, of the of the paladin sure. archetype. Um, yeah. Now he doesn't exactly have a deity for the old D and D classic version of paladin, but his commitment to higher ideals is exactly the kind of thing you expect from a paladin. I can totally get behind that. That is, yeah. I can't believe I hadn't considered like <laughs> Superman as a paladin. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, I have three. Um, I had two, but Mikey's Superman kind of threw in another one for me. Uh, so first is uh, Cecil from Final Fantasy IV. He's, and he, he's the one who actually introduced me to what a paladin is. It's my first exposure as a you know teenage nerd about paladins. And like he starts the game as a dark knight, does terrible things for his kingdom, and really starts to feel a lot of remorse in his actions. And he goes on a kind of a journey of redemption and becomes a paladin. It's a really great story. The second is a game series called Quest for Glory, and it's really hard to explain in words because they don't really put it in words. Um, but Matapalan is something of a hidden class, and 
that series, it's kind of cool because you can import your character from game to game and you unlock the paladin class by doing a lot of hidden good deeds in one of the games. And you can't create a paladin, you import your paladin. And the paladin is kind of portrayed as individuals who travel the world in the few years to go and keep the peace. They're kind of portrayed as like a Jedi in a swords and sorcery setting. Plus, they get a flaming sword, which is cool. And the third example is, and this is kind of like a no-brainer for me, Captain America. I think of, like, if I'm trying to roleplay a paladin in a and d setting, I think of what Captain America can do. Like, I've seen a lot of people role, like, um, roleplay paladins, like, who are really preachy and stuff like that. But I see Captain America as being like, okay, uh, you guys are going to go and do all the, this stuff that I consider immoral. Um, more power to you. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go do the, the hard thing over here. <laughs> Well, and Captain so, America is such a great example of how to do things that are moral as opposed to doing things that are legal. And that yeah. particular take on paladinism, if you will. Mm-hmm. That was a, a big change, I believe, in the most recent Pathfinder. They outlined that, specifically stating, like, lawful does not mean you follow the country or is in's law, because if you know the king's corrupt, you can still go overthrow him, because it's morally correct. Which I think was a it's a what, good way what, to put it. Yeah. It's, it's hard actually, to know, though, right? They might be corrupt. You might just think they're corrupt. Oh, Perspective. <laughs> One of my favorite things about, like, I think it was an, an old D&D book where they, they um, when they, the, they're defining the alignment system, one of their statements threw a wrench into my whole way of thinking. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. And that's what alignment is Robin Hood. And they portrayed him as lawful good. And the reason is because he's not being a bandit that's, you know, living outside the kingdom because he wants to be. He used to be a soldier of King Richard. And when he, when in many tales of Robin Hood, when he overthrows the, the you know, the, the corrupt law system, he ascends to be a noble, you know. So he is not chaotic good. He is not against law and order. It's just that the system of law and order in his kingdom is corrupt and he's mm-hmm. fighting it. It's so- the only way he so uh, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but uh, Robin is a lot like Arthur in that there's such a huge corpus of work about him that there's a lot of different versions. Oh, definitely. <laughs> there are versions that where he's just like the bandit, you know, the the happy-go-lucky. But but I, I understand your point. I, I will not. I will not divert. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, our next question is. Um, gonna be interesting here because uh you guys are all kind of at three different stages of your your paragon paladinhood path um so i'm gonna start from the newest paladin and go backwards but what are three things you wish you knew when you started playing paladin and started progressing on this paragon path so nifty you are the newest okay so the thing that really Huh. The thing I wish I'd learned or had known beforehand is that your job isn't to wreck face. Your job is to make sure that faces and their wreckage is prevented. Uh, That's kind of my number one. Um, I can expound on that if you like. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. But uh, I am kind of of the belief that in a small to medium park setting or battlefield setting which is most parks you don't need to run and dominate the field you can you absolutely can 
but one of the things that you are you know best at is being a second line or a, a defensive fighter and you need to make sure that your team is supported that you know you've got healing capabilities you've got armor capabilities you've got so much uh so much of that that stay back and and defend that you don't need to like it's not my job to go out and and crush the opposition it's my job to make sure that we are not crushed by the op uh, opposition um the uh to, I think to maximize efficacy with this class, uh, armor, armor is a must. Um, it's there's a lot that you can do if you're a solid fighter, but not necessarily every not every paladin raised is a great fighter, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Everyone brings something new and and delightful to the battlefield, but armor can really, really be a um, a leveler if that or, or um, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Equalizer. Uh, an equalizer, thank you. Armor can be a great equalizer um, uh, with the right person. And uh, the the last thing that I really wish someone had pounded into my head for me is, do not forget that you have awe. <laughs> awe is such such a good ability, and I cannot believe how often I forget to use that that, that spell. Like towards the end of of gameplay, before everything shut down, um, I had really started picking up use of it, and oh, what a game changer! So those are the, those are the, yeah, those are the three things. I mean, as a Paragon Bard, I should shame you for not using awe, as it is literally like my, I should have it tattooed on my arm of like this is what it does. Well, and and that's that's actually the thing is, uh, maybe you or Zach or Broton had showed up to park, and someone was using awe over and over again, and I kept forgetting um, that I had awe, and then I I like stopped, I took a breath, I pulled up the character sheet, I'm like oh come on i i'm immune to command i can use this spell what what am i doing and all of a sudden the the game completely changed it was awesome yeah huge huge quality of life improvement for me was uh finally remembering those important details and that was about seven months before everything shut down so i got uh quite good at using those abilities towards the end of of gameplay uh so moving backwards cads all right so um one of the first things people might tell you is that paladin is a bad class now i've heard the argument that because it's luck to knights it's just a worse class and the knights experience is supposed to make it up for it don't believe a word of that it's an objectively ignorant opinion horse like, fish my fun <laughs> yeah my <laughs> funding company they aren't gone feels paladins regularly we won bridge wars and keep last year my phoenix league team stack deck fields paladins regularly I think we're doing something right. Paladins are amazing. They can wear the well, second highest amount. Oh, go ahead. That's a holdover from V7 and earlier versions where it was much more true because armor was much less good. Agreed. I, I um, mean, I agree with you. The opinions totally bunk under the current rules. But a lot of people <laughs> still say it because they don't understand V8 and they remember V7. Uh -huh. and it's like 10 years yeah. ago. You'd think old people would... I am old people. Yeah. Do you think some other old people would catch on? And you touched on armor being like less good, and it's amazing now. Paladins can wear the second highest amount of armor in every class in the game. They can use any melee weapon in a shield. They get two immunities, which is on par with our barbarian, and I think they get better in immunities than what barbarian did. They get mild support spells, heal and resurrect. They get awe, and that's already been covered. It's the fastest <laughs> offensive verbal in the game. Yep. And on top of all that, they get pro mags. It's like, what? That's bro it's, it's a broken enchantment. 
So what go-to abilities you need to know for your class is pretty much everything I just said. It's a hybrid class. You need to, you need to be a hybrid. You need to do everything that, that your class can do in order. Um, and the final, the big thing I'll say about the subject is to really emphasize something that Jory pointed out, that, that Phil pointed out. And I've had a conversation with people from other parks that say, yeah, Paladin's bad. I play Paladin. It doesn't have an impact on the field. And I'm like, okay, the first question I always narrow in on, because I know that the answer to the question is, how much armor do you wear? And the answer is always, always none. And it's like, what? <laughs> As I said, Paladins can wear the second highest armor of any class in the game. It's a massive advantage the Paladin is, and you're wasting it if you're not wearing armor. Would you play Archer without a bow? Don't play Paladin without armor. I cannot stress this enough. Get armor. Warriors who only have a couple of options to have really comfortable, easy to fight in armor that's also worth six. Paladins have a ton of options. Get one. Um, otherwise, play a class that doesn't need it until you get one. Because you don't want to be one of those guys who doesn't like your class because you're underplaying it. Um, so now the experiences that I'm going to talk about are ancient and only apply under the V7 rules. So these are more for uh, amusing amusement. But one thing I wish I had known uh, back then was just how important sharing immunities was. Mm -hmm. um, being able to share them at the right time and in the right way um, was huge. And then the other one is, is almost kind of a joke. But back then when we had mass spells, the paladins were immune to the mass spells. So what would happen is they'd cast uh, Wind or, or Doomsday, Doomsday, and they'd kill off or blow away every single person on your team except you and then they'd murder your ass uh, which that's that's fair but I, if we're talking about things I wish I'd known so, so I have a amusing story to go off of that we've also used that as an advantage because the paladins would remain on the field and guess who else would remain on the field all the other people on the team with pro magic so we'd surround the other team We'd cast a wind and it would blow away everyone except for like the two people with pro magic and the paladins would have just whipped their ass. It was awesome. No, no, that's 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 a fair point. Uh, depending on who 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 casts it and how, we're just talking about things that I wish I'd known. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's cool. I didn't. And it doesn't apply. It doesn't apply at all under V eight. It's just why it's a funny oh, yeah. story. But I mean, you didn't miss much, John. You really didn't. Like <sighs> there was, there's a lot of really good about it. There's a lot of really good about it, but it was not newbie friendly. No, I've well, read the book. Well, and I'm going to mention another big difference uh, between Paladin now and Paladin then. Because I don't actually think Paladins were terrible then. Like, they, they weren't as good as they are now. But they got their rep for not being very good at a time when it was legit. They weren't, uh, they weren't excellent. Um but the difference is, and I was talking about this with with uh, with Merrick earlier. Back then, if you'd asked me what the best thing that a paladin brings to a team, number one might still have been the armor, but number two was three resurrect. Mm -hmm. And that's not true today, where where there's lots of resurrection available and lives are not an especially uh, limited resource in any game. That's not an important part of the paladin's kit. It's it's okay. Right. Back, yeah, back then they had non-magical resurrect too. Which was no, no, that's a good point. Get those guys in pro mag up. But often you're you're literally checking your res count for the team, and sure, bringing a healer with eight is great. 
but bringing three who can also go wreck shop is pretty useful. It's a, it's a big difference. Um, uh, so we've hit on this a little bit already, but uh, the next question is, um, where do you guys see Paladin as it fits on the battlefield? And we'll, we'll start from small and then medium and large. Small, I'm thinking we have like under 10 players on the field. Um, medium, we're looking at, you know, duchies and baronies kind of park and large we're, we're looking at you know like keep size inner kingdom events these these really massive uh battlefields um so we'll start with small where do you guys think the the paladin fits on the small field uh, honestly i think a, a paladin on a small field you might as well play a, a warrior um typically with small fields you're going to have really fast games and spells like heal that some people can arguably get off pretty quick and and spells like resurrect um they they are not as powerful as they would be on on a larger battlefield and that's not you know not to say that they're not useful but i think uh for in that instance you're mostly just an armored person who can who could you know with, with lots of melee versus depends on what that other team's got because if they've got caster your pro mag may go Absolutely. further you know than what? the warrior yeah. shit i i i actually you know what i stand correct i, I mean is, i'm not dissing warriors because warriors an excellent class in almost all cases but there's definitely going to be times when you'll go further than a warrior will um i think the other thing to always pray pay attention to in a small park is what class is going to ruin the fun for other people Yes, and th absolutely. then you can talk about is your role to be successful well if it is then your role in a small park is probably to uh bring the thunder to the point of attack where your pro mag or your immunities make you less vulnerable than other players and usually in a in a small game there's literally one flank where that's true and the other isn't and it's your job to go to that flank um, yeah. i stay corrected I, I you make excellent points. I'd say that Paladin brings, yeah, I'd say Paladin brings life to the table no, no matter what the size of the game. They have a lot of longevity when it comes to their immunities and their armor. Um, and they have their, like, their big abilities that they can only use once. Um, and if we compare it to the other fighting classes, like Warrior is significantly less powerful without their um, ancestral armor. They're still good, but they're less powerful. Paladin without their pro mag, they still got immunities. They still have they 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 can still do stuff. I say that it, when it comes to longevity, Paladin's the best of the fighting classes because Barbarian they do not have longevity. <laughs> and I suppose. Kind of an... Sorry. Uh, um... I suppose. Uh... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll get my thought out really quick, and then it's back to you. I suppose my answer came from the perspective of my personal park and how our games had been run for the entirety of my time playing Paladin, where I found that the smaller games being a Paladin did not actually benefit me a whole lot. So that comes from personal experience as opposed to um, a, a wider perspective. Yeah. I found in the smaller, in the smaller games, the, uh, the pro mag matters a lot more, as does the Oz. Because the as well as we all know, the larger the game, the less effective offensive verbals are. Just because you know there's a lot of chaos and stuff like that. Not to say that people don't take them, but you know people don't take them because they don't know you're casting on. So you have to add like a minute to every verbal to let them know that hey, you were odd back there. You know. Mm -hmm. Hey, and if you've got even skill, 
you can beat two guys always by awing one of them and murdering the other one. Because yeah, your armor is going to beat their skill pretty much every time. So small battlefield, uh, we just talked about uh, medium battlefield. We're talking, um, for examples from up here, they'd be like CC, Crimson Circle, and Ethereal Tides um, between like 30 and 50 people on the field. Uh, where do we see them sitting at that point? I'm personally of the opinion that they make an excellent second line fighter, first or second line fighter in those sort of scenarios where you can absolutely be on that front line and, and um, I guess to repeat myself, wrecking face, you know, four points of armor makes a huge difference. And with, with the melee weapon versatility, I mean, you could start off with a sword and board. You can move on to a pole arm, what, whatever the occasion uh, requires your ability to go and, and, modify your your kit in the middle of a battle game is is you know super duper helpful and <coughs> excuse me i think that the ability to uh heal also makes you an excellent or heal res um extend your immunities makes you an excellent resource for that second line so that when the your buddies in front of you do get knocked down the people in the next line have a better chance of of standing up against whatever strike force uh made it through one pro tip I'll give you for getting to know the Paladin class, especially for medium or larger battle games, is get to know what your immunities are. Like, like really, really drill into you that you're immune to uh, command and death. And know what spells, like what cookie cutter spells, what bread and butter spells that the, that the people who cast um, command and death are. Like bards, like your company is completely immune to bards. <laughs> we have two <laughs> but, spells. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a that's a big thing, and the reason why you want to know your immunities is because I guarantee you, other people won't. I've seen veterans screw that up all the time of what a paladin is immune to, and cast command spells and death spells on them. They're like, oh yeah, paladin's immune to that. Yeah, take advantage of that. Get to really get to know your. So I I I agree very strongly with what Denny said. There is it was literally what I was going to say, but I will throw another caveat out there, um, and. I can't do it anymore at 50-something because uh, I don't have the, the foot speed. But the fact is, a great spot for a paladin is work out on that flank, use the javelins we talked about earlier to threaten, but don't push until one of those casters gets exposed or maybe even gets exposed with a buddy in light armor and then go in and wreck them. Mm-hmm. Right? Bards are perfect for it because they've got very little for you. Um Meaning that if they're looking at another guy, even for a second, and you push on them, there's an okay chance they'll use the wrong fucking thing. And that half second is all it takes for you to get there and finish him. Oh, yeah. We um, have shove and stun. And that's all. That's so, the bard's kit against the paladin. That's all so I feel like I feel like in, in medium games especially... It's not, hey, go push a flank where, where, where you're going to have a strength against, against the, whatever the opponent's got. But it's feel it out. Look for a chance to push hard. Makes so sense. you're not immediately on that first line. That's just running and going. But you're right yeah. behind them. But I, the and, and, line. And, and <laughs> the javelin thing, I would say, applies to warriors too. The same thing. You want to you want to use that javelin to pick out the spot because then they still got to think about you, even if you're not rushing. 
throwies and, and ranged weapons make a huge difference when used correctly. Oh, yeah. It's, it's Especially a, in large games, because there's going to be a lot of people who aren't paying attention. And that's where ranged weapons oh, yeah. come. An, yeah. an excellent example of that is is Timmet. He is oh, just yes. a little monster with those those little pucks. Well, and I, I will make another equipment comment. Uh, there are lots of people who can make good javelins that fly well and reasonably far. There are also lots of people who make shitty javelins that don't fly very far at all. If you After aren't in that. the first group, go to somebody who is and get your javelins from them. Yeah, ask a DAG player. That Dagger here regularly uses javelins, so every DAG group know, has usually has someone uh, who knows how to make the javelins and knows how to throw the javelin it. guy. <laughs> yeah, I no, you're jab. right. Javelin has lots of good. There's lots of good javelins in DAG because everybody needs them. It's it's a big benefit. I think that it gets overlooked in a lot of classes. I mean, especially from like week to week when you're playing on a regular basis, you miss some of those little things at the top of your your class where it's like you have access to these throwies you have access to this kind of armor you have a, it's a it's a huge deal to pay attention to that text at the top um so going back onto that real large field we're talking you know keep castle mania spring war we're we're like 200 plus people easy where what are we doing with paladin there Let's see. I would say, well, first of all, forget your awe, <laughs> you know, unless you get into a small skirmish, because you're probably not going to be able to get it off or, or do anything like that. Or they won't um, be able to hear you. Yeah. And that, that's also a perfect time. The, the large games are a perfect time to pull out the pole arm. I was just I was waiting for my chance. Yep. Pole arm time. <laughs> yep. Pole. Yeah. Being able to stab a guy way over there and then heal your buddy right next to you can't go wrong yeah no I'm, and i agree that poles are, are are an excellent way especially if you can't have the flank um i will say that one of my one of my theories of amp guard combat that goes beyond paladin is the better player you are the more advantage your team gets from having you on the flank um because you have more choices. Now, you do have to play smarter smarter to be successful on the flank, but getting those extra choices, getting more chances to, to, to make some mismatches, and Paladin's a class that's still pretty good at making mismatches. Um, so if you're not going to be a pole Paladin, take that flank if you can. And when it comes to fighting, I'll say don't underestimate yourself. I've met people on two ends of the spectrum who are good fighters. Number one are people who are complete garbage in a tournament. They they won't even place, but on a field, they can be monsters. They can be a they murder machine. And on the other end of the spectrum, I've seen people who are warlords who you know dominate tournaments there, but they get really ridiculous tunnel vision on the field. And when you're playing paladin, in, in my opinion, in a class game, the first kind of fighter I'd rather have on my team than the second kind of fighter. No disrespect to, intended to anyone who who focuses on tournaments. No, no, and I'm I'm with you. In battle games, you want people who've got field vision and understand tactics, uh, and that's more important than how good they are with a sword. The fact is, both things are important. Mm -hmm. I agree with everything you guys are saying. <laughs> I, it's not yeah. it, it's not like we started the hot takes yet. 
No. Wow. Yeah. Um, I also have not had the chance to play on a large battlefield as a paladin yet. We'll have to get you that experience I know. once the I world know. opens. You really want to. It's all right. I think I've only played a V8 paladin on a large field a handful of times. Not often. It was really fun watching that line of paladins in one of the last few Romans versus Barbarians game we did. It was Zach and Raph and Chewie, and uh, there was just five or six of them. They all had uh, javelins. They all had their shields. Oh, that was cool to watch. That was, uh, you know, Flight of the Valkyries cool. <laughs> um, oh, I'm sorry. We got a guest star in the shot for a oh, second. TR. The good boy. Um, sorry about that. You are totally fine. <laughs> so uh, moving on to the next question, um, and we've hit on this a couple times go to abilities like what are the, the things you need to know in the class we went over you know the javelins are really important your awe you've got to remember you have it and your immunities uh, that was a, uh-huh. a huge thing are there any specifics on those or any other topics that you really want to know as uh, you take your paragon path forward for paladin i just want to reiterate that you have the awe spell i mean it <laughs> I'm not the only new paladin to forget that that thing exists. It's it can make a huge difference in those those small to medium park days. They really, really can. Um, I have found in my own experience that extend immunities um, can make a difference if you if you put it on the right partner. Um, I've put it on people who I thought would do great with it, and then they go and they get stabbed in the back because they acquired tunnel vision on on the objective or on killing someone who'd been bothering them, and and then they lose it. I'm like, well, why did I, you know, use that charge times five ability on you if you're just gonna lose it right away? You know, you you, you got to be really smart about where you pass off those those um, immunities, and and I don't even believe it's uh, it gives them immunity. I believe it's just a blessing. Is that correct? The resistance. Yeah, it just gives you, it's yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, resistance, which is for all intents and purposes a blessing. Mm-hmm. And which so... resistance is super good if you use it exactly right. Mm-hmm. So, because it's a limited ability, I mean, yes, it's rechargeable, but it's got a pretty high recharge. So, I think of it as more limited than not. Yeah. Those you want to use in the right situation, right? So you want to put it on somebody who's fast enough to go run down a guy who's primarily going to use the thing that you're going to make him immune to and then send him to go do it immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same way if you play scout, you use your you use your one-shot immunities. Yeah. Right? You use them to go take down the guy who's using that thing and do it right away. Um, and that applies even more to your most limited immunity. If you get good advantage out of your pro mag when you've got it up, you can do a fair bit of damage. On the other hand, if you get stuck using it and they hit you with a bunch of melee, it sort of gets wasted. And a lot of how successful you'll be is knowing your spots. And knowing your spots really means making your spots, right? Look at the field, see a place where you can really put a uh, pro mag to good use, and then rapidly use it and go do it right away. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the same with any limited ability for any class, but for paladins, the the pro mag is your best limited ability. It's the one that's the most important. You get right if you can. And that actually transitions over what I wanted to talk about, and that's pro mag. Now, 
Chromatic, you can use it on yourself. And in some cases, it's, it's best used on yourself, like if you're the best fighter in your team, you're the only one with armor on your team, and like the biggest threat is a magic user. But most of the time, especially in larger games, um, if, you, if you cast that on yourself, you're kind of wasting the potential of it because you already have, as a paladin, two immunities. You're already immune to command, you're already immune to death. A warrior, on the other hand, who has their full six points of armor, that benefits them so much more than it does you. So remember that Ampere is a team game, and Paladin is definitely a team player. I would like to to make a comment to that point. Is uh, warriors are already pretty uh, high value targets as far as as your um, your dispel magic goes from opposing wizards, opposing um, scouts. It's healers i mean everyone looks for the warrior and they always ask them do you have ancestral armor up because they want to bust that shit down right away and so i i agree that putting a pro mag on a warrior can be an, an excellent choice it is also it, it's a high risk high reward choice i suppose um yeah. you might drop it on him and it might get nuked off in in you know 15 seconds so uh it is a good choice but it is a good choice that comes with a high risk yeah, and, and when fighting a high awareness team, they're going to be looking for the Paladin and Pro Mag. So make sure to use that to your tactical advantage and maybe mm -hmm. give your Pro Mag to someone who they don't expect. Yeah, that's a good point. Somebody who's pretty good at staying on. Maybe, maybe that one goes, maybe Pro Mag goes on an Archer. Someone who's got pretty good longevity. So, uh, or, as long, or as, long as it's somebody who's going to be in range for the magic, right? Yes. Well, that's that's true. Archer, Archer might not be. I think if you've got somebody skirmisher, skirmishy like an assassin, that's a better bet. See, that's actually, yeah, that's that's an excellent point. You know, if we're talking Scouts. about the sneaky option, I think it's not the archer who's going to be sneaky from a long way off. You're right. Now, the the assassins actually, I I kind of agree with the assassin point. Uh, to your point, John, about you said the scout. I actually disagree because scouts are almost as big a target as warriors and that everyone knows scouts can they can track, they've got dispel. I mean scouts are, are an incredibly versatile and dangerous enemy to go up against. Um I think I don't I I, I think that's the player. I mean I, I love scout true. I love scout myself, but the book nationally is scout's a crappy class. So unless the player is good, the scout gets ignored. It's okay, Paladin's a crappy class too. Yeah, that's not well, true. I've I've heard that, but not nearly as often as I've heard it about Scout. That's fair. Mm -hmm. yeah. The the reason I think Scout is if you put it on a uh, a paladin or not a paladin, sorry, a warrior, the warrior then misses out on their uh, shake it off, not their shake it off. Sorry, their wicked flee when I pursue because it's a spirit spirit magic. Um, the assassin, not the assassin, the Scout has much less spirit that they rely on as their base. That's why I was thinking, put it on something that has the next best amount of armor. Because, I mean, it's six, four, three, and some twos. I That's think it. there's some twos, yep. Yep, because it's Assassin and Well, Archer. and Scout's not bad, because Scout armor. also has a place to to uh, play as a as a, a skirmisher. Um, medium throws aren't as good as small throws to be a great skirmisher, but they will take you a long way. All right, so... Um... Do we have any more okay. on the uh, need to know? Yeah, continue. Nah, go ahead. My uh, my next point can be brought up in one of your later points. In fact, I, I was planning. Cool. All right. So uh, um, we went over the abilities and things you need to know. Um, what are some skills you guys 
are either focusing on now or focused on very heavily when you're going for your paragon to get better at paladin um are there things that you can focus on outside the game to improve your in-game prowess i would like uh, to with this <laughs> <laughs> i personally believe in really hamming up the role play <laughs> i i think that that improvement of gameplay can really be made with with just just hamming it up and I could just I'm just gonna keep repeating myself so I don't even know what else to say about it and in Polaris there's a lot of opportunities to ham up your role play in yes. fact, there, we had we had a conversation um, unrelated and I, I don't I only want to touch on this briefly but like we're, we're, there's been a few of us leaders who have been trying to encourage dragons being handed out for high amounts of role play because the rule book actually gives role play as an example to give out dragons and unlike a lot of other kingdoms, Polaris has a lot of really good opportunities to really ham up the role play. You could be an encounter in Dungeon Day, in GAC, there's lots of NPCs where you can role play. And if you really ham up the experience, like it can make those events all the better. Um, I think that uh, there's, there's lots to practice um, without even going into the fact that melee classes get more benefit from just the pure martial practice of amp guard than caster classes do which is obviously true um some of the skills that you use a lot as a paladin that maybe you don't use as much for some of the other melee classes can be improved with practice i talked about javelin throwing already mm -hmm. that's one of them um but truthfully uh there are ways to play Paladin and be effective without being real good with a stick. Um, but you should definitely make sure you are very good at battle gaming if you're going to do that. Right? Denny already brought this up, that um, being able to see the field, predict, work with your teammates to, to, to make best advantage of your, your abilities, and all those things that, that make someone a skilled battle gamer can often be more important than pure stick skill. Um, I still contend that if you're going to be an excellent paladin, you'd love to have both. Um, but one of them's a very, very long journey, and the other's only a very long journey. Um, but if we're talking about what you should do to improve, those things shouldn't be forgotten. Um, obviously, understanding every spell that is either command or death. You need to know that, and you need to know it in the front of your mind. Because you don't want to be caught thinking, Wait a minute, is that one Commander Death? Um, and in fairness, the V8 rules has made that a pretty easy one because the school is in the in the, the incantation of the spell, which is part of how I ended up learning uh, and, and really familiarizing myself with those immunities was when people would, I command the, I was like, oh, oh hey, I don't have to listen to that I, one. I agree with you completely, and that fixes it in small games. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do much in large games because we all know we can't hear the incantations. <laughs> That's you usually true. you usually know about it the first time when somebody else I got you with X I swear I did yeah and then you look at them you're like man they're close enough they probably did yeah well and especially if they go I got you with some spell that doesn't have the word command or death in it and you're like oh okay and you just your your brain just shuts off for a moment you go yeah. oh, okay I'll just take that whatever yeah, no that's walk that, off. that's why I think it's important that you just know these spells know the ones you're immune to cold. Um, 
if you're if you're playing Paladin under the current rules, you've played a few other classes already anyway. Probably some of them are casters, and you probably already know those spells. But make sure you know any of the ones you don't. Yeah. I've got over 100 credits know... in Wizard or something like that, so I'm, I'm pretty familiar <laughs> with that Wizard spell list. And I also know what spells other classes are capable of casting. Like I said, Bard, they pretty much 90% of their spells are uh, command and death. But like wizards have, you know, some sorcery spells. And Fire and, spells or flame. A big part of being a paragon in any class is knowing what the, what your opponents are capable of. Like knowing your enemy and, and anticipating your enemy. So you'll look at this guy and be like, okay, he's capable of, of doing this to screw me over. And then, like in the, and then in the middle of it, like he, he points at you and starts casting whole person, and then you're like, "What? Why is he doing that? I'm immune to that." And then you charge him and kill him, and you just beat him with your knowledge. It has nothing to do with you being a better fighter. It has nothing to do with any of that. You beat if you beat someone with with just that kind of a knowledge. That's a good thing that sets a paragon apart from. Well, and another thing that I think is super important, and why. There's a reasonable number of people who get one paragon and then a few years later they get another paragon and they get another paragon is they understand battle games sort of deeply and they love battle games deeply, which makes them not just understand them, but talk about them with their friends all the time. Just spend a lot of time talking shop and looking for combos and trying to figure out new ways to use spells and reading what the meta is. All of that stuff gives you a leg up to be a paragon in any class. It's just a fact. And there's two people on this call who are exactly like that. Was, and if you don't know who you are, if you don't know who you are, it's it's. But but the fact is, that's a huge advantage in Paragon for anything. Mm -hmm. um, is that excitement about battle gaming? You you want to care about it. You want to talk about it on your drive to and fro from 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 park. So you're thinking about it. It's it's in your mind. You're percolating, because that's how it's easy to make these decisions in real time because you've already talked about the decisions five or six times and it's very easy to say this is a slight wrinkle on the thing we talked about I do X right your brain just does that automatically instead of having to stop and go this does that does that does okay I'll do X mm -hmm. this is so this is the one second thing I want to talk about yeah. continue Danny one thing I want to really talk about this because it's power, what outside of game powers and abilities and, and I really want to touch on something here, and that's armor. And that's, yes, that's, and we've talked about it at length, but I really want to say that when I, when I tell someone to go and get armor and wear this armor as a class, how complicated that doing that is. It's not a very simple request. Like, first of all, we're not even thinking about, uh, about how armor costs money to buy. Okay. Like, people, I've seen, met a lot of people who buy an armor kit because they want to play a class with armor and they wear it like maybe once a year because arming it up, lugging it to their park every week and maintaining the armor is a pain in the ass. But if you want to be a Paragon Paladin or Paragon any armor class, you're going to have to be a lot more diligent. You're going to learn, you're going to learn that stainless steel is worth the extra price. You're not spending a grand total of, of, out, um, of like dozens of hours with sandpaper and CLR. Um, once I had a mini cement mixer full of sand, but sand by used to tumble female <laughs> shirts, <laughs> stuff like that to think about. So why do you want to maintain your armor? Why do you want to wear it week after week? Um, because you need, need to get used to wearing your armor. Conditioning an armor is a skill. 
fighting in armor is another skill. If I'm only wearing my armor once a year, I'm not going to be used to moving and fighting in that armor. I'm going to be a lot less effective and a lot more tired on the field. And if you get used to wear fighting in armor, you're going to find that fighting, fighting in armor is a completely different game. Like, if we're on a ditch field and you make an all-or-nothing stab at me, like, this, I, like I have to block that or I'm dead. But even if they're dead too, I'm still dead. But if I'm wearing armor, I'll just take you to the chest and kill you. It's, Mend is one of the most is one of the best indirect kill spells of the game. So I can't really emphasize this enough. Get armor. You're gonna like in in playing an armor class. You're going to be an armor nerd. You're gonna learn how riveting works. You're gonna learn how <laughs> maintaining your armor and cleaning rust off works. Like all that crazy stuff. Well, and um, and I, I'm gonna go a step further. Like I agree with everything you've said, but. If you're going to, uh, if you're going to mostly purchase your armor, I'm that kind of player. I mostly purchased my armor over many years in Apgard. Um, you need to accept the fact that you're going to buy some pieces that the fit isn't perfect, and you got to take them back and get them done right. Um, if you can't do it yourself, and because often, even if you do a, a lot of measurements, and the most recent set of I bought, I think I gave the guy thirty measurements. And he took a a, a, a a t-shirt of my chest wrapped in duct tape to have the exact shape of it. Like he really worked hard. I still had to take that back for a couple of a couple of adjustments. Um, so if you're building your own, some of that you can do yourself, but it still has to be done. So you buy the armor, you shake it down a few times, then you get it adjusted and get it right. If you're building your own, You've got to accept the fact that your armor is not likely to be perfect on the first build unless you've made an awful lot of suits first. Um, <laughs> and take the time to get it right. If you're going to be a paragon, you've got to you've got to commit to it. And it's sort of like if you were trying to get a paragon archer, you wouldn't do it with a with a Kmart bow. Yeah. It uh I know uh I was roommates with Balder. He was on our last podcast. And when he was uh, playing around with Warrior, he literally did, like, everyday stuff around the house in chainmail. Just the whole, he, like, six hours and just straight up chainmail for whatever purpose, just to get used to it. And that made a big difference once he got on the field. He put it on, he knew what he was doing. It didn't feel like I'm weighted down. It's You're up there ready to go. Um, the other thing on abilities that we've noticed, um, there's, a, there's a group of us that have focused on getting Paragon. Um, playing just like one-on-one -on -one stick tag with each other and then having a third party or the opposite party yell a spell at, name at you and you have to yell the incant back before you do another strike has been a really interesting way to like quick fire your spells so that they say something to you you get ready to say it you say it you can strike again because otherwise you're sitting there defending yourself in a stupor um it those are two things you're a good defensive fighter yeah I mean, you get good one way or the other. Um, it, it, it does sound fun, though. I like I, that. Actually, I really like that. That sounds like a great exercise. It's it's entertaining. It uh, it gets really confusing when you have to remember a spell list that the other person is focusing on. So, like, if Balder was going for Wizard and I was going for Bard, he has to remember my spell list and I have to remember his. It helps with the uh, what Cad said, where you have to know what your opponents have. If you know what they have you can counter it or you can know what you have that is weak to it or countering it. Um, mm -hmm. This is the second podcast we've had where we've said like, know yourself 
and your opponents better than they know themselves and you'll win every time because there's not much of an answer to i know the game better than you in fighting like it's it works um moving on to a related topic is tactics what are what are some recommended tactics michael's talked about the flanks a lot um i also tagged in here target acquisition bards are cads have said multiple times the weakest thing to you like as a paragon bard if i see a paragon or a paladin on the field at all i walk the other direction because i have two spells for him and i don't always take them and it's it's like i don't i don't i have an army of spells for other people someone else deal with the paladin i'm not going to do it i've actually found my greatest success uh, at my own park and visiting elsewhere is uh being the bard hunter bard hunting <laughs> is always fun um i've also found that when i use my pro mag on myself cads um i end up being the wizard hunter too and i also found that when i uh when i take the time to armor up uh, I also end up being the foil to their heavily armored fighter. I found that as a four point paladin, I can usually beat out any five, four to six point warrior that lines up against me. Um, that comes down to a couple of things. Well, I suppose it mostly comes down to I am a stronger fighter than they are. Uh, when we're both armored and, and with similar amounts of armor, it usually comes down to skill. And and, and they're all terrible at fighting lefties. <laughs> that also is a benefit, <laughs> and they really should get used to it, because I've been left-handed this whole time. You'd, you'd think they'd be used to me by now. I don't feel sorry for them. I don't. So that's that's my... that was That is the point I would make, is I found that my target acquisition ends up being armor, because I can outfight them, bards, because they can't touch me, and wizards, because it's fun. <laughs> you yeah. can't hear you, Denny. Oh, sorry. Yeah, paladins are a really great anti-caster. Um, and just just to say, say like before, there's nothing wrong with casting pro mag on yourself. In fact, there's a lot of times, like a lot of times, where it's the optimal thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely. Especially on, especially on small fields. Um, when And especially, like, if you're the only one on your team, if you're like the MVP on your team and you're the only one with armor, then yeah, you're, you're probably going to be casting that pro mag on yourself. Oh, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've told Rayhawk, no, thank you, when he's asked me if I want a blessing against me. I'm like, I've got pro mag. I'm okay. <laughs> um, one thing um, that I'll say is if the, the MVP on the other team, the, like if, especially on a small field, is like a wizard or a druid and he's constantly threatening you, with that uh with that dispel sometimes it's a just a good idea to take that dispel just yeah just take that dispel. you still got four points of armor what are they gonna do stab you <laughs> yeah take especially if you're rushing him while he's dispelling yeah, that's a right. win oh. yeah exactly take that dispel kill him and now like the rest of your team might be you know the rest uh, of the team Although truthfully, a lot of that depends on the scenario. And I'm yeah. sure everybody knows that there are plenty of scenarios where getting a kill even on their MVP doesn't push your win condition very far, very far. especially mm-hmm. games with a fast repop or uh, a condition that where deaths are not very valuable. Which um, we have a, a culture of, especially at our park. In Polaris in general, fast respawns is yeah. a very popular thing. Well, they're pretty common everywhere, to be truthful. Um, like, we've reached a spot where uh, 
that's one of the weaknesses of V8 is that it was designed with the assumption that death was going to put you out for a fairly long time. And it just doesn't very much anymore in a lot of places. That's I mean, I've, natural progression I've traveled, I've still seen those, that. Those long death counts are just, oh, no. they're, they're, no, they're no. game killers. This is, this is not a case of we've made a mistake in how the oh, game I, has yeah, changed. It's a case of they didn't anticipate what would happen when they wrote the book. Yeah, I, I suppose I was trying to make the point to John, who made a comment about, you know, having missed 7-7. Seven, seven. And, you know, I just, my earliest <laughs> memories back in 2012, like, I, I started Amp Guard at the, the exact right time because I got just enough exposure to 7-7 seven, seven to realize, wow, this is really, really awful. I'm, I'm not enjoying myself at all. Before they said, hey, we're playtesting V8, and I happened to be doing it in a place where sir michael was playing and he was a big fan of it and he encouraged us to play with the new rule set and it gave me the, a really really great opportunity to find that wow this game can really be done right and and, and back then i i had a boy did i have a temper i was <laughs> i grew up in a very competitive household like it you know it was not a great great mentality and when you end up getting knocked out of a game for a minute and a half for you know a silly mistake it's real easy to get really mad at that and w as soon as we we opened up the game and you're like oh okay you pop after 10 5 15 seconds like oh a death doesn't matter as much and it's it's easy to to get back into the game and get right back to having fun yeah no uh, I, it was I, valuable for me i agree completely but it is a design thing mm -hmm. in that when they designed it the assumption is death would be pretty bad yeah. I.e. worse than anything else, like CC. Mm -hmm. Because death is the penalty that every one of us can apply to another player. Right. There's plenty of classes that can't apply a CC effect. So when you get to the place where a CC is a worse effect to get than a death, then the rule set isn't balanced anymore. Right? They, they went out of their way to balance it around the idea that everybody who applies death is applying the worst penalty. And this is probably off topic from the Paladin thing uh, a little bit, so I won't keep going on it. I've got strong opinions about this, but I'll let it go. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of finish it as, like, from a game design perspective, because we also have some Master Smiths in this thing, is that you probably want to make death to be the, the worst thing that happens to you in a game. And that could be a death count. That could be a life pool kind of a thing. Or what you could do, um, which I've seen done, is uh, in the specific games you play, you do half counts on everything, not just uh, not just death, so that yep. CC isn't the bad worst thing that can happen. We do half count a lot at mists. Yeah, no, no. I think I think that's almost the the, the bare minimum. If you're going to have uh, death counts reduced, you have to reduce CC counts by the same amount, because then death is still worse because you've got to go to go 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 to Nirvana or Repop. Or whatever that is and back so it's still worse than the cc uh, i agree with you that that's sort of the bare minimum um and we just have to we just have to balance um the good news is we're gonna have uh the ability to edit the rules again very soon which will make us more nimble to the fact that the v8 rules which are very very good have had eight years to develop and we've metagamed them for eight years so they're not nearly as good as they were because we've found all the weaknesses and are all playing mostly in the weaknesses. We're not <laughs> stupid. Okay, yeah, most of us aren't. Uh, I'm the dumb one. <laughs> so <laughs> let, well, we're going to move back to our, our questions. Um, but we can come back to that topic afterwards when we're doing like hot takes <laughs> and open discussion. Um, 
This we hit on earlier, and this is something that I think is vitally important for the growth of AmpGuard and for improvement as an individual. Um, how do we get better, especially once you know we start having better stick skill, better battle game skills, you're better at the rule book, you know what's going on. How do we still continue to get better but not ruin people's fun on a weekly basis? Um, it's, That's a hell of a question. It is a hell of a question, but it, it's a legitimate thing because if we have – you know, three people in a park going for Paragon, th that means that two one team is always going to have two of those people, and the rest of the players probably don't have the same mentality as them, and we need to so, balance So, it. So I've got an ultimate hot take on this one. Yes. Paladin's a perfect class for it, because your job is to, is to be effective on the field, but style is also important, and there's nothing more stylistic than, as a Paladin than protecting and enhancing those around you. That's literally part of our ethos, right? Mm -hmm. So play up that part. Make sure you're especially visible as a paladin. You know, ham it up, as Jory said, with your role play to emphasize that so that the, the, the monarch or the monarch's representatives or whoever might recommend you for Paragon and is watching sees that. Now, you're right that someone whose only measurement to make a recommendation for Paragon is... Were they the MVP of that game? Were they the MVP of the next game? Were they the MVP of the next game? Right? If that's the only thing they're checking, they might not recommend you as much. But most people, that's not the only thing they care about. It's one of the things they care about. And you can certainly be the MVP sometimes and still get noticed for that. And then, you know, whoever's making these decisions sort of knows, yeah, that guy could be extremely good, but he's enhancing his team right now. He's not making as much of the, of, of, of the beauty himself. But it's still pretty important, um, and I think I think Paladin is especially good for that. I'm not sure it fixes the problem completely, and the fact is, I think it's good that Paragon comes from the Monarchs, which means you can mostly do that Paragon work at your Kingdom level events that are big enough not to be broken. I have a some uh, an anecdotal experience that. Uh, to the to your point about uh, our ethos of protection and and um, enhancement of our I'm, of our friends. I'm sorry, there's someone at my door. I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is so the reason Are I bring pooping? up this point. Could it's the little jokes? Um, I ask this of anybody that is coming up in warriors paragon which we now have our tactician path which is kind of nice um anybody that's coming up in, in skill in the in the game and uh i believe it was last no well, i guess it was two years ago now belfield ran a uh how do you keep improving like you can improve on every person um class at skbc about how to get better even if the rest of the people at your park aren't you know the top-notch fighters you are so right this this aspect of always trying to find the a way to get better even if there's no one of your level at your battle game at your park or whatever is an important detail i think so that we maintain a healthy park and we're not having you know three or four vets discouraging all the new players from ever coming out and playing again i've got three tacticians for paladin ta-da i think i have Love a fourth it. one laying around somewhere that i just haven't bugged kendrick to put into my orc so, so, oh, I, I have a couple. 
Uh, I have a couple of answers to this question. Uh, number one is if you want to be, if you want to, uh, suppose you're like in the situation where you're the best fighter at your park and you're playing Paladin or any class for that matter, uh, the answer is to nerf yourself. Like sometimes, um, and this is when I'm playing Wizard, for example. I know I'm I'm going to wreck the field if I go ham. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to work on my throwing this time around. I'm, I'm and I'm not going to play evoker wizard. I'm just going to throw um, ice balls at people who are more than 20 feet away because I want to work on my long range throwing. I'm going to spend at least half the game doing that. I'm going to miss a lot and be a lot less effective on the field. So I'm still working on myself, but I'm also contributing to the team, and I'm not this destroying the battle game another like for example for paladin you could say like i'm not even going to melee i'm going to challenge myself and not melee fight i'm going to use my support abilities i'm going to use my javelins but i'm not going to do anything else and therefore i'm still contributing to the team i'm still getting better at learning to use all of my abilities because there's a lot of abilities as a paladin and as you get as you work you're you're going to overlook them um, the other thing I can do, I, I can say about how to uh, help out is work to recruit and grow your park. Because if you grow your park, medium-sized battle games, even the best player is going to have less of an impact than in a small game. In a small game, one really good player can just wreck the field. The larger the game gets, the less of an impact that one player gets. So by growing your park, you're naturally going to uh, circumvent that that that. Uh, my my point, and actually, uh, I'm glad you. There, there's a couple of things in there you said that I actually uh, am glad you said uh, mentioned. Um, the what what I had ended up writing down for my answer to this was that um, the, our responsibility first and foremost is to be a good sport. Nothing improves ourselves and our gameplay as much as recognizing when you've made a mistake or when you've got a bad attitude or when you realize you need to tone it down then to be a good sport if you are wearing four points of armor you're the best fighter or one of the best three fighters in the room and you're running up on some kid who's only been playing for you know a few weeks you're not really being a good sport by running up and ruining their day over and over again it's it, it that's not fun for you it's not fun for the for the new player and it's not fun for the team or the game your best option is when you realize you're doing things like that, and, and this is the best option in my opinion, is you you take on that role of of defensive fighter. If I'm realizing that I'm I'm destroying the game by by fighting my ass off, I'll take a step back and I'll go, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm going to stand back here by the by the wizard or the archer. And I'm going to make sure they don't get you know smote by by the other team because it's a little more fun for them. They're not going to get stabbed in the back a million times. The new player is not going to get, you know, smushed into the ground, and I get to uh, enjoy the 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 role of standing there, going, "I will protect this individual who cannot protect themselves." You know, one uh, one example of this actually, um, while we were at a we had a local park day, and I can't remember if it was uh, Ray Hawk or Kendrick or someone got legged by a new player. It was hilarious. But the, the veteran player was clearly a little frustrated by this because they got they were tired of getting stabbed in the back in the leg. It's not a very fun thing to happen. 
I walked up and I said, do you need protection? Are you okay? And I was very much not on their team, but I ended up standing by their side, defending them against my own team, protecting them and saying, would you like me to heal you? And I healed this person so they could get up and walk away and continue enjoying the game. And, and it felt very much, it was a silly moment. I was, I was trying to, to bring myself back into this. I was trying to make sure that everyone was having a good time, but it felt very much like that was the most, that, that's my paladin moment was, was defending my enemy, healing them so that they could get back into the fun, and and, and it didn't cost me anything but a couple of giggles, and, well, and that was the that was cool. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna drop another role playing hot take here. Uh, if Paladin sort of exists as an archetype of a fighter for justice or ethical behavior or doing the right thing, promoting your park's health is the ethical thing. If you're not out there doing it, you're not being a good paladin or the sort of person I think ought to be a Paragon paladin. And I'm not arguing that there's a piece of that that's sort of role-play nonsense, but a fact is everything we do is sort of role-play nonsense, and I'm not willing to invalidate it on that basis. On, uh, on, that, on that note, if you're role-playing and trying to get Paragon anti-paladin, don't be like, well, <laughs> listen to what... Uh... Mikey just said, I guess it's my job to kill the <laughs> No, yeah, yeah. No, if you if you if you've got to role play an anti paladin, um, you need to role play being uh, a difficult person to get along with in game without being an a hole in life because not only do the people not enjoy hanging around with a holes. But it's going to impact your ability to get any award because the monarch who makes that decision doesn't like a-holes. That should now, be the case. That is not always the case, but it should uh, be the case. A much higher than the, 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 yes. than, than a majority of, of monarchs hold it against a-holes. Yes, as they should. Now, I have an anecdotal story that um, what's been said around, reminded me of where we did the opposite once of uh, what what we were talking about earlier, and it actually turned out really well. And that is once during uh, the Phoenix League um, thing in the Rising Winds, when we were travel like every week we'd have a different Phoenix League thing in a park where the the teams would fight each other, and Stack Deck was there and we were dominating, and suddenly a t a, we found out that a group of newbies formed a Phoenix League team and they said we want to fight Stack Deck. So my team came up to me and they said, and they told me like, hey, this team of newbies wants to fight Stack Deck. And they're like, should we do the all scout strategy? Should we, you know, do this? And I said, no, we shouldn't. They said, they didn't say they want to fight us fucking around playing scouts. They said, we want to fight Stack Deck. We need to go ham against them. And we don't, doesn't mean we're, we're like complete dicks about it. We, we they want to see what you know the best team looks like they want to see what that looks like we need to show it to them and that turned out really well they all died horribly but they died with giant smiles on their faces <laughs> that's the I, end goal, that, that, that is a that is a big i think the biggest contributor to that would need to be communication yeah if it were if, if i were there i would have wanted to communicate that like i love that that worked out for you guys but that's one of those situations where it could have gone really poorly and you could have scared off a group of newbies forever but what i would have done is if i'd found out i would have gone up to whoever they appointed their captain and i would have said hey 
is this what you guys want? We we know that you, know, you asked us to fight. Do you want us to tone it down so it's fun and silly, or do you guys want us to spank you so that you, know, you can see what it looks like when we turn it on? And and I think it, it's as with everything else in life, everything it comes down to communication. Oh, absolutely. I I, I completely agree. The the context was that um, given the context of what they what they asked and all that stuff. Um, I was of the opinion that we didn't even have to ask. They basically said, we want to fight stack deck. Oh, I, I can I can hear the scenario, and I, and I can imagine the tone of voice that, that would make it abundantly clear. I Yeah, I don't doubt you for a moment. I'm just saying, yeah, no, no. me being me, I would have. It's, it's, like, it's like if somebody says, hey, Warlord, come fight. I don't ever fight him at half strength. They didn't yeah. ask, hey, Warlord, come fight me at half strength. They said, hey, Warlord, come fight. It's a good point. The only time I, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, and of course, after you fight them and after you whip their ass, you're probably going to be like, okay, so this is how I beat, this is how I beat you. This is what you can do to them. And maybe offer them a beer, too, if they're of age. <laughs> Check that first. Hey, we said how important communication is. Beer aids communication very often. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, uh, so we'll move on to our next questions. The, these next three questions are a little more open-ended. They're less uh, like informational, more opinions. Um, there's been discussion about moving uh, the way we level classes out of the like 52 points so that it's not you know a full year almost of time that you're spending on a class or half a year if you're going to a lot of events. Um, do you guys think leveling your class slow, slowly is important? So is the talk is the talk about speeding it up? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's awful fast already, but um, if that's the way we're going, the fact is we will then have a much bigger distance in your first question, right? You ask your first question, what's the difference mm -hmm. between sixth level paladin and paragon paladin paladin? And for paladin, it's gonna go up a lot. For like Druid or Bard who have huge lists of spells and lots of different interactions, it's going to go up even more. Because the fact is to, to, to have the skill basis that it really takes to deserve Paragon, you have to have a lot of practice. And you're not going to get a lot of practice if you were to level, say, you know, in three months to six level. That's not necessarily unreasonable in terms of doling out the powers. I'm not opposed to that at all, but you're not going to be any better at using those things altogether than somebody who'd played three months and gotten to fourth level today, hmm. right? You'd have two more levels, so you'd have more powers, but you wouldn't be any better because it's the actual practice that makes that, that work. Um, I'm, I'm very much a practice person. Very much. Yeah. Like there, there are people in this room, John, who can read a class list and understand the minutiae of it in in you know a few hours you'd really you'd have a good grasp of, of what's going on pretty quickly even the more complicated caster classes for me personally especially with the um with paladin i found that playing it every week and and having my abilities and by the time i had was really comfortable with my abilities hey level up now i've got new abilities to add on and it i i found that with paladin specifically the slowly our quote-unquote slow method of leveling 
was ideal. It helped me personally really grasp what my capabilities were. And there were some things I had to be reminded of, like awe and how to really find the best use of, of my uh, my immunities. But I really found a higher amount of success by going slowly as opposed to racing ahead to the to the finish line. It's I, I say the same thing about you, you, know, you don't want to jump into a high level game of anything else where you have all the equipment because you don't know what any of it does. You've got too many abilities and no experience with any of them. For me, I'd say it depends on the person. Like, I've been playing this game for about 21 years. I've been max level in all the classes for about half that. And I pretty much have the rulebook memorized and I know what all the classes get. For, but for a new player, it's probably best and kind of challenging for when I was a new player. Um, it was really exciting to gain a new level, even though I have to wait, wait months to do it. But if I could push a button, I would probably make it so you level your first class slowly, but classes get some sort of a multiple. Um, and if we're hot taking, if we're hot taking on how AmpGuard organization would work, I'm going to throw out that the way to make leveling quicker, rather than changing the rule book and making leveling quicker, is to give more bonus weeks, because mm-hmm. in places where lots of bonus weeks or bonus credits are given, you're already leveling in three months, and those places you'll be leveling in a minute. Okay. And I think we can all sort of say, then why level at all? Okay. So instead, have those places that rarely give bonus credits catch up to the people who are currently giving a lot of bonus credits. Um, that that has been a pretty big benefit to, I suppose, to the to the world of COVID is, you know, when when our local monarch says, "Hey, here's an extra credit day just because it's my birthday," or you know, whatever the case may be. I've had friends down in Texas and Colorado commenting on my local parks page. and like, hi, I'm so-and-so from XYZ. I would like my credit in this. And they answer the the question of the week. And, and oh. while it's, it's, it's not an ideal situation, I, I like the, the. I, I love what you're saying there because uh, like all three of us gave opinions on this thing and they were all sort of similar. And if we're wrong, COVID will prove it to us mm-hmm. <laughs> because we've had a year, a year with a reasonable number of opportunities for spare credits where nobody played at all. So what's going to happen is everybody's going to have one or two classes. They've hardly played at all that they're sixth level in. Not me. I've taken all my credits in Paladin. Well, okay, but lots of people will. And so we'll measure and see, see how, how much it benefited them. Like this is, this is a perfect, petri dish to check our theory like i'm not i'm not saying i'm wrong i don't know but i love having a check to find out mm-hmm. all right so uh our next question is opinions on opening up paladin and anti-paladin at the recent gathering of clans um it was very it was literally one vote that was the only deciding factor that we did not open up paladin and anti-paladin this year uh what are you guys' opinions on opening it up to the populace Yes. <laughs> so I'm heavily in favor, and I have a lot of arguments in favor. I could talk about this for a while. So I'll limit my soapbox to one argument. Uh, restricting it to night means that it's such a, so it's such a tiny percentage of the populace are nice. And uh, there's a lot of that little tiny percentage of the populace that battle games. And the ones that battle game don't necessarily play paladin or anti-paladin. So this has a pretty profound impact on the class itself. 
And I've talked about how Paladin is amazing because of all the things it can do, but none of those things are unique to the Paladin. The combination thereof makes the Paladin unique, but it makes them kind of unflavorful on the field. And from a rulebook writer's perspective, I, I would like to give Paladin abilities that are unique to them, special things that only they can do. We can have them fit into the rock, paper, scissors, card, counter, hard counter paradigm of the game, built from the ground up with a, to be a regular part of the game. Um, giving it a classic counters and it is in turn counted or buy. Um, and none of that can happen while Paladin is locked. And that's my big argument to unlock. I, I am, I want to I preface my statement with, I am absolutely in favor of opening it up. But I am not in charge of the decision, so I don't have to bear responsibility for it. <laughs> my my thoughts are, uh, and, and for a while, what I realized is it came down to a, a sense of, and it, it's not a sense I'm necessarily proud of, but it's the honest truth is, I felt like uh, a lot that came along with knighthood um, was additional responsibility. Um, when I when I was elevated everything you know i had to shape up my attitude i had to shape up uh my language my behavior everything i everything i did had to be another i had to i had to climb the you know the ladder i had to really make sure that i was being the best version of me that i'm capable of being and felt like for that effort i had very little to show for it and and so before i was elevated to knighthood i was uh you know i was hugely in favor of like yeah let's open it up because everyone everyone should get it all the time and then I, I got to Knighthood and I went, wow, this is kind of cool being able to play these classes. And, and it's like, it's the one cool thing, like the one really cool thing that I get that, that you know, whatever. And I came to realize like, okay, I'm clearly of two minds about this. So I compromised with myself. And, and that's the reason I asked you guys about uh, Crusader earlier was, you know, we open it up, asterisk, where we, uh, we legitimize uh, Crusader and Marauder as classes in Ampguard. And so the only functional difference between Crusader and Paladin is the name. They're exactly the same. The credits are the same, but I get to use the word Paladin. That's that's the only you know the only difference, and that's that's a personal thing. And and I can I can see you shaking your head, Will. And 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 <laughs> no, like, no, it is it's a perfectly valid like I, I I'm full of shit, but it's, it's no, no, full of shit that I'm you know. So so Jory, my journey uh, with you on this has been many years longer mm -hmm. and for a long time i thought back to myself as a as a aspiring knight or as a new knight and uh how much i wanted to do it and then for probably 25 <laughs> years now i've always said michael hammer of god is a paladin mm -hmm. if i'm in a battle game playing assassin michael hammer of god the paladin is using assassin abilities. Mm -hmm. Michael Hammer of God is not an assassin or an X or a Y or a Z. It's why 30 years later, Denny may have maxed every class, but there's one I haven't maxed that I'm never going to because I'm a paladin. I'm not an anti-paladin. I took one credit in anti-paladin and it was like the very first week that they, they said, hey, here's a free credit. It was after COVID kicked in and like, we're giving away credits. And I went, I'll take anti-paladin because it feels like this is the shadiest way for me to level that class up. <laughs> like, I, I even commented that in the group when I, when I said it. Anyway, I, I, want, I want to make a hot take though about uh, paladin then versus paladin now and anti-paladin, the, mm -hmm. the, the limited classes then and now. Um, when I started, 
knighthood was a grind and not everybody made it but it was a three to five year grind that not it's everybody still a bit made of a grind. no but the deal is it's now a seven to ten year grind or a seven to twelve year grind okay it's twice as bad at least mm-hmm. compared to what it was when i got in so the advantage of hey you get a little perk it's not super cool but it's nice and we'd like to have a way that our game is tied to our award system and there's an actual interaction. All of the arguments in favor of keeping it restricted that used to be made are only half as good as they were 25 years ago, right? Because knighthood is so much harder to get, consequently so much rarer as Denny brought up. Um, It's one of those things where at this point, I think I think I think you have to really ask yourself where is this advantage and how is it real anymore when there's so much on the other side and I mean I would even say it applies a little bit to the to the naming not as much because the naming you can sort of let it slide um but it's true that if you if you get a brand new player in Ampguard and ask them what their favorite archetype in role playing or video games or whatever assassin. is to help them choose, <laughs> it might be assassin is number one, but it's probably paladin that's number one. And if it's not, paladin's definitely number two. They always want to be paladins, and you have to tell all of them, "Hey, twelve years later, you can." <laughs> It'll be a lot better. <laughs> It'll be a lot better if instead you say, "Hey." you can be a crusader right now and work your way up to paladin because then they get all the abilities and they can still work for it. So I'm not necessarily opposed to that take on it. I'm really not, but I think it's got to be opened and it's, it's, it's not even close. And if you'd asked me this 15 years ago and they did, I was not willing to take a stand because I hadn't decided. Mm -hmm. I think, I think part of it for me comes down to the, uh, the bit of cue ball that rubbed off on me, the achievement hunter little bit that that isn't a very large part of me, but is a little bit, um, is that like, I feel like, you know, I did the work, I want something for it. And I, I am in favor. Like if they said tomorrow we're opening up Paladin and Anti-Paladin as soon as regular gameplay resumes, I wouldn't be upset about it. But my, uh, I guess what I would want is like some additional signifier, like, oh, you could wear spurs. Well, spurs aren't actually conducive to running around on a battlefield. They're a safety hazard. So, but like, you know, how, kind of how, how about, Paragon's... How, how about, here's my hot take idea. How about you, you, you make the crusaders and marauders, even if uh-huh. you call them paladins and anti-paladins, you make them wear a sash. We're the only ones so, who get by was, without a I was, working, I was working my way to that. That was that was exactly what I was gonna say. Was maybe maybe there's a new sash color for for palette or for you know, crusaders. And may, maybe maybe they don't do crusader and marauder. Maybe they just open up paladin and anti paladin. But knights don't need to wear uh, a sash. They can wear they can have the belt flag or the shield I'm, cover. Or I'm not even really like, sure I'm down with that because there's 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 all kind of other arguments. No, uh, I'm latching onto this idea. <laughs> in truth, in truth, I'm sort of willing to deal with whatever it takes to get this right because it's time to open it up. Yeah, I would agree. So, so my rebuttal to uh, Dory's thing about the uh, Crusader and Marauder is mainly I agree with that. I don't, like I don't if, care. if that was if, if that if that uh, 
if that was what got the classes to be open, I'd agree with it. But um, this is me kind of putting the, the sender uh, hat on, is that when we talked about this last, that was what was on the table. We're going to open them up. We're going to call it Crusader and Marauder. I think it was Jardy and Marauder to have been like Crusader. And understandably, um, what, ha what happened was about several kingdoms said, well, I want to vote to open up Paladin Azipon. I want them to have the name Paladin because of how powerful that is and is a fantasy trope. And I'm not going to vote for it unless it does that. So the, the compromise is actually less likely to pass than just opening up paladin and anti-paladin so, so you so you feel like i don't have to bear the responsibility so you feel like <laughs> it failed because there were three choices last year no um well the, I'm, i understand there was only a yes no vote but people were saying no because i want it more i want more so so if you if you watch the uh if you watch the um the, oh i listened to it but it's been it's been a year it's long. yeah it's been it's been a while um <laughs> What I remember, and I, and and Merrick has watched it much more recently, so he might be able to correct me. Is people were bringing up, chain, opening him up and calling him Guardian Marauder, and then a couple of kingdoms said, "No, I want to open up with the classes," and and then we're like, "Okay, let's vote first on opening them up, and then decide on the logistics if we want to open." If them we up. open up Guardian, and, does that make me a member of Space Force? <laughs> no, but, uh, but anyway, if... and and but that vote failed by one and a couple of the kingdoms who voted no voted no because that wasn't what was put forward on the table they didn't vote no i don't want to open them up they voted no for logistical reasons so i think um if an actual proposal was put in place and we had the same monarchs <laughs> yeah yeah we won't obviously that's why the com makes decisions slowly and and in its own way <laughs> that's a whole different yeah. podcast <laughs> discussion <laughs> yeah no kidding no kidding i'll stay out of that rabbit hole um, i think it would have a good chance of passing but so but i think that that opening up paladin and anti-paladin actually has a greater chance of passing well but let's Let's ask another question that I think uh, I think we're going to get a, a a pretty near unanimity. Do you think it's going to pass in the next two years? Yes. Yeah. John. Yeah. Totally. Looking at the the way the yeah. kingdoms are yeah, I, and pushing, it's going to happen. That's right. I think I think it I think it's it's inevitable. Uh, in fact, I thought it was inevitable in like 2010. I. In fact, would have guessed it would have happened by now, but I was wrong about that. But I thought it was inevitable quite a while ago. Yeah. Um, another opinion-based question. This is, our, this is our last opinion-based question, then we'll open up the floor for everyone else. Um, the This most recent Gathering of the Clans, which was, you know, a little while ago, but is all recorded, so you can go watch the whole 12 hours of it if you really want. Um, it's very long they brought up a battle game night and currently the award standardizations uh, <coughs> survey is asking questions about the battle game night um and people's opinions on it what are your guys's opinions on a battle game night? either the creation of a new belt or the path added to sword belt where you can be a battle gamer and get sword um so, i'll start and okay. i'll say I'll say that I think this one, like the one we just talked about, is going to happen. Um, 
I'm now going to talk about why I think it's a really terrible idea. Um, <laughs> because I really think that uh, battle games are where our newbies interact with us. And I do not want everybody to try and be their best self in such a way that it ruins battle games. Um, I do not want all of the I do not want all of the bitterness and anger and people who quit the fucking game over knighthood to come into every battle game because then every new player has to deal with that shit. Okay? So instead of having some percentage of your veterans who are around the four to five year decide, and this whole fucking awards grind is stupid. I'm not having fun with this part of the game, so I'm leaving. They'll leave and they'll take three newbies with them because of their bad attitude on the field. And I, I'm i not opposed to giving a knighthood for battle gaming, but we can't do it unless we have done something to uh, fix the toxic elements of knighthood more than we have. And, you know, for 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 many, many years, I've been well aware of the toxic uh, elements of knighthood and been trying to figure out how to maximize the advantages, which I think are real, and minimize those toxic aspects. The other problem is the advantages of knighthood, the things I think that it are really good about knighthood, is that it drives people to excellence. That's less important than a battle game too, because you're already being driven to excellence in them by wanting to win, right? They're already competitive. You're already doing them. And you don't have to drive people to do more battle games because in general, we do them every week. That's, that, that is our primary interactive mode. So where there's uh, an advantage to force people to strive for excellence in the arts, because a lot of amp guarders aren't doing very much art otherwise. So you've opened that vista up to them. You've taught them they can be great at it. You can help them help them really achieve their best. Um, that's less true of battle game. Now, again, I'm not saying there's no advantages to it, and I'm not saying there's not some arguments about, hey, we want to reward those people who are really good at X. Um, and that includes battle gaming because it's a very important part of our game. And that's why I think inevitably this is going to be a thing, and I hope I'm wrong. I really hope these things that I see don't become a problem when this inevitable change happens. So I'm going to urge everybody be very aware in writing your proposal for how battle game nighting works, that you've got to make sure it doesn't ruin your battle games because that's the lifeblood of our group. And if we can't recruit, I don't give a shit how many new, new guys who are fantastic battle gamers get their knighthood. If they're fancy knights in a game with a quarter of the people, it ain't worth it. So I you have know. a lot of opinions on this, so I'll, so I'll restrict myself again. <laughs> um, but the big one I have in favor, um, kind of kind of the flip side of what Mikey said, is that class games are the primary hook to our games. It's the first thing you'd see when they look at up Amcar. Um, so what we're seeing is the current generation of Amcar is, is we have a lot of people who stay addicted to these class games. And many of our veterans, our core members, stop playing class games. Uh, why? Because they want to be nice. And running for office, making stuff, it's a huge time sink. And I see up-and-coming warlords sparring off to the side while class games are going on. So this re results in a huge problem where the big hook of our game, the game part of our game, isn't participated in by the veterans of our game. That has a huge impact on our retention or recruitment, our retention and recruitment, probably more than you think. Um, but there's disadvantages of it too, as Mikey brought up. And I've seen the journey to knighthood described as, as toxic before. 
the closest example of is how people cheat in tournaments to get warlord but this toxicity exists in all paths of night i've seen people get upset all the time when they don't get what they feel they deserve for service wars and we've definitely seen toxicity in the ans community so there's the argument that we don't want that toxicity that hyper competitive could affect our class game community and i don't have a direct rebuttal for this because it is a legitimate concern i'm not saying oh that's not going to happen because it will unless we are diligent about it as a culture and polaris i think we all have it good as all of our past knighthood for the most part lack toxicity and if something bad happens we yeah. come together as a culture <laughs> but like um we we would really need to bake in honor and sportsmanship as our battle games and and we don't want to wait until it's a problem to fix it we don't want to say oh our battle games are full of cheaters what do we do to fix it we want to head that off of the past we want to really push honor and sportsmanship as and I, I will offer an sorry you first I was going to say to your point um, and it's a brief point uh, um, one of the or one of my one of the things I and this is a, a point of toxicity that we we absolutely need to address and it's not that we need to head this off before or we don't we can't head off uh, battle game toxicity before it's a problem it's already a problem already I can I can already think of of three or four pretty pretty maybe not four two or three reasonably high profile individuals in our you know in, in the tri-region area who are incredibly well known for their battle game prowess who are nasty cheaters who are people who you know are otherwise amazing at this but they choose to make decisions that are, are dishonest anyways that are are skeevy in the same ways that we see people who are at that that you know the the on the warlord ladder where they're they're getting towards that five six seven they're they're starting to be on the radar they you know they've they're they're on the way and but you start seeing that you know there's a much higher uh, or there's a much there's lots more um focus on them and you can start to see wow that was that was pretty unclean i and the Reeves not going to call that. We have a pro. We already have a problem with dishonesty in in warlord tournaments. We have dishonesty on battlefield games, and we have Reeves who lack the spine to call oh. anyone or hold anyone oh, accountable. Well, okay. I mean, See, now that he's not here, he can't defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Like, hey, that's that's my biggest gripe. It's it, the uh, toxicity uh, of knighthood. I mean, it, it's. I'm on the path. I'm trying to go places it's a it's a thing i've noticed and i think our best fight against it is to actively make sure the people that are on the path are aware that it exists and that they need to fight it and that they need to hold each other accountable as much as possible like they've it, already tried doing that with with people on the warlord path and it's come with no results that i've seen we, it's been oh, a conversation no, no. for for five or six years that I've been paying attention that that people understand oh warlord they're toxic as shit when they're you know in the in the warlord pits and and there hasn't been a a, a vast improvement that I've seen. I've seen a vast improvement over. Yeah, I think I think you may you may suffer from having seen it only after it's improved. Now that's okay. not necessarily that's fair because we that we might like fair. to see it improve more. I'm not ready to say it's improved enough. So your 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 position is still valid. Um, I'm going to throw a a uh, a second piece on to the the finishing part of your question because um, I don't want to forget this. 
I think it's inevitably we're going to have battle game nights. I also think the right thing to do is absolutely definitely to put them under sword. Okay. I do not think we ought to have a fifth because if you've got a fifth, why not a sixth and a seventh and an eighth? And I truthfully think there should be only three, but nobody wants to combine crown and flame except me. <laughs> but there really should only Second be head. there should only be a I'm limited afraid. number and and the idea of adding lots more when battle game nighting and tournament nighting are very similar uh i think it's much much better to put it underneath um i have a controversial opinion that i think there should instead of there being three or four or five i think there should be cads yeah. having a controversial hold, hold on huh. hold on well, we had a, we had lag place. i didn't hear cad's whole opinion i said i said instead of there being three or four or five i think there should be one because because you know i just see a lot of confusion um saying that like oh this person's a good flame knight but they're not a good crown knight in my opinion there shouldn't really be much of a difference between the two <laughs> yeah um that's crazy because if you're not qualified to be a knight you shouldn't be a knight mm. and which one you get or which ones you get should be dependent on your masterhoods and that should be an end of it but that's that's a personal hot take and i admit it and i've used that word a lot I admit it's because it entertains me. It's, it's um, a good word. I love it. But but the fact is, no more uh, takes. Only I would takes. be I would be willing to live with one. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. Other than the achievement hunter mentality is a re is real. I, I mean, we talked about cue balls achievement hunter men mentality. Or Jerry was talking about it. And I've got enough introspection that I realized he's really talking about me, although he's actually talking about cue ball. Because if anybody's got the achievement under mentality in amp card, I, I've got a bad, bad case. Um, there's I both of you, and you both have an achievement hunter mentality. There's almost you. there's almost nothing out there available to get in amp card that I haven't decided at one point or another I needed to go get, and. I got most of them, and oh, that's great. You know, people people are motivated in whatever they, way they are, and I'm not ready to condemn my own motivation. Um, I'm not sure that's a reason to keep them separated, so I'm not actually opposed to your, your idea of one. That might be too controversial, so I'm really interested in let's not propagate more, right? Yeah. I'm more interested in the things that I think are inevitable. I'm not sure going down to one is inevitable or even likely in the – uh, yeah. The term of amp guard, I can see, and, and I'm not married to the idea. I'm just, I'm just like more leading in that direction. I guess casual I mean, relationship with that idea. It, casual relationship. It, it kind of comes to the idea that like a knight is a knight is a knight. We're really just special, like making sure we know what you specialize in to be a knight. But we should hold all the white belts to the same kind of. This is your baseline. You gotta exceed. If you don't meet that baseline, maybe you should give up the belt. Like, I wish oh, that and, was the terminology that it and, had. But. And uh, while we're throwing out, you know, ideas from the madness zone, <laughs> I fought real hard to have knighthoods expire. Uh, this is, this is you know, 16 years ago. So basically, the proposal I wrote then, my knighthoods all would have expired today. Okay? 
because my knighthood expiration proposal is you need to demonstrate, do something that demonstrates you've still got a level of excellence in a field or you oughtn't to keep the belt. And you got to do it once every two years. Okay? So if you got a sword belt, you ought to place in a tournament once every couple of years. If you got a, if you got a, a, a flame belt, you ought to subcrat uh, some major event once every couple of years. If you're crown belt, you got to hold an office that's that's, that's worth, a, worth, worth a point in the old system every couple of years. Okay? Uh, and that didn't fly because lots of old knights were like, oh my God, I don't want to expire. <laughs> and, and I'll be truthful, when I made the proposal, I knew I was going to have to push myself to hold on to my sword belt. Um, I maybe not that year. Belts who I wouldn't mind knocking out. <laughs> maybe not oh, that yeah. year, but some year, and some year not too far away. And I can honestly say I still like the proposal. I still think it's for the good of the game, and all of mine would expire now. I disagree. You were king. I, I, I think I could say at uh, um, well, he's king, but he probably hasn't placed in a tournament. But I could I could probably provide a reasonable uh, solution to the old knights to say like, oh my god, I don't want to lose my belt. Have it so that you have to do something or one of your belt ladies has to do something with your guide. Oh, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fight against this only because uh, of what I think is really the magic of Night Squire and Ampguard. Yeah. The, the true magic of Night Squire and Ampguard, in my opinion is that it is extremely customizable. It literally belongs to that relationship. And what it mm -hmm. means is up to those two people. Um, Absolutely. And the minute you build any structure into it other than just the belts, you start having uh, you start having guardrails on that, that relationship that I'm That's not very excited about. That's um, 100% true. I have very strong ideas of exactly what, what uh, I owe to my squires and what I ought to provide for them. And anybody who still knows how to find their way to ESAM can read them because I've published those fuckers. But I don't want everybody to feel like my way is the right way. And on top of it, there are plenty of people who do not deal with their squires in a way that I, I would, whose squires are very happy. Yeah. Like, um, but but I, I actually, I like the theory other than it breaks this other thing I really love. <laughs> um, and it doesn't matter. The expiring knighthood thing is me just dragging up old ideas because I still like them. But I'm aware, just like I say, I think that, uh, that opening up Paladin is inevitable. I think that we are almost never, it's almost impossible that we would see expiring knighthoods. Yeah. And I would say that the battle game belt is inevitable, but instead of two years, I would give that about 10 because war standardization uh, takes a lot to change. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I think I think you're right that it's not going to happen nearly as fast. Um, and maybe maybe we can, we can uh, head off some of the problems that I think are very real because I've already seen toxicity around Paragon. I don't think mm -hmm. it's especially common, by the way. Not as common as knighthood, certainly, but I've seen it. So we need mm -hmm. to think about right now, hey, let's make sure 
we're giving paragons out in a way that does not promote toxicity. It's why I love that we talked about how do you take care of your small park and play to your best without hurting your park, because that's a key part of being successful uh, as a game. And emphasizing that when we talk about how you're successful as an individual increases the chances. And I don't necessarily think that in the end, when we come up with a, a battle game night, that Paragon will officially be part of it. But almost by definition, the two things are related because they're both about excellence in battle gaming. So if we're talking about how to do excellence in battle gaming in a podcast about Paragons, it's very apt to consider, hey, what are the downsides of this? Where, How do we mitigate any problems? Because the same problem is going to exist with a battle game knighthood. Mm-hmm. All right. Those are all of our questions. We went uh, an hour past, almost an hour past what I recommended. <laughs> yeah. I should have known. It's, it's, it's almost as if everyone here is long-winded and has a lot of opinions. No, never. I, I, I would never get I long-winded. I prefer the word loquacious. <laughs> I prefer the word loquacious. Um, loquacious. All right. So My I'm favorite word to... of the day from sixth grade. <laughs> Uh, we're going to open up the the chat. Uh, if anybody else has questions about Paragon Paladin, um, we're going to do that. This is going to keep recording, by the way. So, Or if you just want to say hi and tell Jory how cute he is, you could do that too. That's another option. Um, so, Gentlemen, you all look great. <laughs> hi, Pat. You. You're really loud. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. I can turn we'll, you down. We'll, we'll, we'll fix it. We'll fix it in post. We can. And we can, by, we by can that, we it. mean Merrick has to fix it. So carry on. I don't have... <laughs> oh, I bumped the button. Okay. I don't want to be focused. <laughs> I don't know when to be defocused. Uh, does anybody else have any questions, uh, concerns, or anything like that? It looks like everyone is still muted. You can unmute oh, can they, they can unmute. They can unmute themselves? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we have the power. Just throwing that out there. Um. I have a small tidbit on your uh, your battle game night. I know that's not Paragon Paladin. That's okay. Oh, no, it's, it's, put it on the schedule. Asked. We got to talk about it. Sweet. Anyone who writes up rules for that thing better damn well involve reaving. You should have to be a damn good reeve to be a knight of battle gaming. That's all I'm going to say. That's a good point. Okay, because I can th- I, I agree with that because I can think of someone in in our kingdom who would really really want to be a battle game knight and would make an awful one because he can't reeve worth a hill of beans. <laughs> but of but beans. We, we we already talked about the fact that if there's anything good about knighthood, it's that it drives people toward excellence. And if it drove that person toward excellence in reaving, I'm in favor of that. I'm actually pretty much down with it. Mm-hmm. Fine, I concede. <laughs> <laughs> we have any other questions, comments, concerns? Tell Jory he's cute. Jory is cute. Um, I don't know. Kaz has got that red hat going on. He may be winning tonight. That hat, that hat is good. That is a good hat. I could get my dog over here and put him on as a hat. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, dogs always win, but that's not you winning. That's the dog. Yeah, Mister's the one winning in that scenario. Um, All right. If we don't have any other questions, I'm going to end the recording there. Uh, Hey, buddy, come in. Come on. You can get in the shot. Come on. We've got TR coming to join us in the last minute. All right. Nope. I'm going to have to aim the camera at him because he's 
too lazy. Oh. Say hi to all the peoples. Oh. Say hi to all the That's peoples. Okay. We're just introducing dogs. Come here, stop. Don't thank you. Don't you have kitties, cats? Yeah, but no, but none of them have a photo bomb this. They usually do photo bomb it, especially when I'm at work, which is Alright, that's fair. I see Rune's forehead. Oh, we're gonna see we're gonna see the kitty. There's the kitty. Kitties. Hi, Rune's kitty. Uh isn't that Star Lord? I think that's Star Lord. You so muted right now, so we can't hear you. It is indeed Star Lord. I almost hung up and said, "Unmuting this." Star Lord. I'm very happy to see a Star Lord. Uh, All right. Well, I'm going to say thank you to everybody because uh, I I haven't had my dinner yet. Yes, go eat. Me either. Um, go. I'll be back in the channel in a little bit because I'll be doing editing and stuff and hanging out. If anybody wants to do that, um, thank you all for participating and uh, have a good night. Good night. Okay. Bye bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Paragon Path. Give us a like and subscribe. And if you're looking for more episodes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any place that you can get your podcasts from. We are going to try to keep going with a every other week schedule. So if you'd like to keep up with the live classes that will be happening on the Polaris Discord, please see the Polaris Facebook page and you will find out when our next class is. Thanks.